You're listening to the 90-10 rule. 90% business, 10% music. Yeah. Until it stops Until the casket drops You take my breath to unknocks If things ain't the same There's nobody we can name Cause if we play the blame game Then both of our souls lost We need to get away Then I'm planning to take a trip It'll all go perfect If you promise not to trip And yeah, I feel for you But baby, ain't trying to fail you See, I never was a failure Girl, I'm in it to win Since I know you better I can do you better I can't admit a while ago I was just too aggressive As long as you can't admit That you kind of selfish At times when timing is wrong Like us but we can't help it You the shit And baby you ain't gotta prove it You make them feel it When you walk That's how you supposed to do it We saying how the new things Are letting bygones be bygones Get it? No, bygones, I'm not perfect <laughs> no. no I made my mistakes And no oh. all I want is love And Body fine like a Mercedes Addicted to your loving like crack in the 80s Chances will look slim, things were getting shady We almost let some riders ride off, we must be crazy You came to me half empty, let me feel it It's real when it's real, shouting and you can feel it Look, I got a feeling, if you win it, then dig it But we should be practicing making a couple children But nah, if you're willing, God willing I take us past the ceiling, we can use a telescope to see the buildings Never come down when them fools come round We politely give them the boot, got the Martins and Timbers <laughs> us against the world, so it seems like they milk it for what it's worth and share the cheese, baby, yeah, I'm trying to give you my all, and it's finished since you'll be my everything and more in time, yeah, yeah, in time. yeah, you see we trying to get it right, we just trying to yeah. make it right, yeah, cause we so tired of doing it wrong, unconditional, <laughs> no, I'm not perfect, no yeah. I made my mistakes, and no But all I want is love and conditional Love and conditional I don't deserve it, no But it would be worth it all All I want is love and conditional Love and conditional The song you're listening to is Unconditional By Steve Cantrell featuring Tone Jones You can find Steve at soundcloud.com slash Steve Cantrell. Go and check out his new EP entitled The EP Tape Demo Project.
artists. If you want your music featured on the 9010 rule, email us your songs and notice of approval to play my shit at the 9010rule.com. All submissions without written consent will not be considered. Today on the 9010 rule. I will say this, and this is just my observation. The music industry has has been so arrogant that we let people control other people control how we put our content out. And what I mean by that, you know, instead of the record companies coming together and saying, hey, we're gonna control how we, this is our music, it's signed, it's signed to us. Why are we letting people dictate how our music go out? Okay, now we making CDs. Okay, that was cool, but how long was that shit gonna last? You know what I'm saying? Instead of them saying, okay, Let's find out what's the new technology coming out. We need to embrace that. We need to get in on that because we don't need somebody telling us how our music is going to be dictated and how people are going to buy it. Fast forward, look at Apple, look at iTunes. They control how the music flows because they because they saw the gap. They saw they saw the they saw the opportunity. They ain't got to create the content. They got the content. We just got to create how we gonna get it to the consumer. We'll pay them for the content. We're the only business that give away more, more free product. We go and cre- we created these two and three hundred thousand dollar videos that we gave away for free to MTV, BT, VH1, and never re- and, and never really made any money off of these things. Like, you know, we we give free music away to the radio stations. They don't pay us to, you know what I'm saying? They don't say, hey, uh, Mr. Capital, we're gonna pay you. Uh, $100,000 to play your record, give it, give, it, give it to us. No, I mean. Today on the 9010 Rule, we have a very special guest. Not Maybach Music, Rick Ross. Not Freeway, Ricky Ross. But we have Capitol Records, Rick Ross. Rick Ross, how you doing? Man, everything's good, my brothers. Pull that mic a little bit closer for me. Got it. All right, all right. So, you know what? I'm just going to let you kind of give us an idea of who you are and what you do, Rick. Who am I? Who is Rick Ross? Ricky Ross. ATL born. Grady Baby, all that. Man, I didn't know you were a Grady Baby too. Man, I'm a Grady Baby, man. Grady <laughs> Baby, Grady Holmes. I mean, I don't, it can't get no more ATL than this. Grady Alice from Beverly Pines, so yeah. it's down the street. Down the street. You already know, <laughs> yeah. Fourth Ward. That's why we cool, man. That's why. Right. That's right. Yeah, man. So, um, been here all my life, man. Actually, not all my life. Lived in Charlotte for about 10 years, but, uh, Man, just always been into music, man. You know, grew up in the house, dad playing, you know, his his Isaac Hayes and the Temptations and the Four Tops and me sitting in my rocking chair just listening to music, man. So it's just kind of, you know, it was just always in the house, you know, always there. And uh, I just, just really took a love to it and just started playing guitar, man. And then I heard this guy named Jimi Hendrix. And this other guy by the name of Eddie Van Halen. And I said, if I can't play like those guys, I'm putting this thing down. That's a tough competition, though. <laughs> man, I wanted to be the best, man, and I couldn't figure it out. So I put it, I put the guitar down. Actually, it was my girlfriend, too, that had a hand in it as well. But uh, man, I just always had a love for music. And um, you know, my my uh, I went to uh I went to this school here. It's so funny. This the Crazy part about it, my uncle was, uh, he was ex-military. He was in the Marines. So uh, he got me my first job out of high school. So, you know, I was trying to figure it out. 
what am I gonna do? What's what's going on? So I went down to the armed force services to take the test to go into the service. Okay. On Peace Street. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, getting up early, people telling me what to do. I said, I'll be back. I walked out, caught a bus. Just so happened I had been I had saw a commercial on on the TV about this school called the Music Business Institute. I said, you know, it's down on Peace Street, down by Lennox Mall. So I caught the bus, I went down there, signed up for the school. Man, changed my whole life, right? You know, now I go from a guy trying to figure out and can't be a musician, but still want to be in the music industry. So it just threw me into the whole business behind the scene thing of being in the industry. So it was all these guys coming from all over the country in this class. So, man, I was taught by some really cool people. Had a lot of great um, instructors, all these guys and ladies were industry professionals, had been in the industry for years. So, you know, I kind of gravitated towards the the business part of the industry. So figuring that out, I was like, you know what? So do I want to work for a record company? Do I want to do concert promotions? And my my the, uh, the uh, young lady who taught promotions, her name was Deborah Lewow, and she was the jazz promotion person for Warner Brothers Records. Come to find out, man, I was working at night, and so I had to leave my job, get home, change clothes, and go to school. No sleep. Come to find out, that's the class that I. Flunk, right? <laughs> Who would know 10 years later that I would be working with her at Warner Reprise Records? Did she give you hell for flunking her class? Yes, she did. <laughs> she did. She did. But it was so funny. You know, I've, you know, I've made it up. But the, the crazy part about it is full circle after I graduated, because it was like a, only like a nine-month course right. that, that you went to. But it was just an incredible experience. And I took my first job at WEA, Warner Electric Atlanta, uh, Atlantic uh, Corporation, which was the distribution arm for Warner Brothers, Electra, and Atlantic, and all the subsidiary labels. And it was right down here on Fulton Industrial. Uh, started off in the warehouse. This was before CDs. We were still sending vinyl and cassettes to radio, and that's what you know. That's what we were, you know, people were buying back then. So I worked in the warehouse. I learned how to. You know, pack. I learned how to ship. I worked in the mail room, uh, which was a, you know, which changed my life again because now I'm interacting with promotion guys right. from all forms of, you know, all genres of music, R and B, pop, country, rock. All these guys are coming back to me to get their product. So um, a lot of the, you know, the promotion guys, you know, these guys, you know, they family guys. They right now they and they. Their forties. Well, I thought that was old. They saying, "Hey, man, I need you to take these records to the record pools and you know do the presentations, talk about the new music." Hey, man, I need you to take these records to all the strip clubs. Hey, I need you to take these records to all the clubs. So what I didn't know that was like the beginning of what we all now call street team street promotion. Teams, right, right. Then it was just. Hey, do this, Rick. Hey, do that. Back then, I didn't know what it was. I was just having fun doing it. So I, I serviced all the clubs, all the DJs in Atlanta, 
all the guys came to me to get records that were in the system because at that at that particular time, Atlantic was hot, Warner was hot, Electra was hot. I mean, you had Keith Sweat, you had Prince, you had Vert. I mean, you just had all these groups. It was pretty much like the number one company outside of MCA back then that was really carrying a lot of records. What was in in relation to LaFace? What time period was this? Before this was during? before before this was okay. actually before. This was around 87, 86, 87, 88. See, a lot of people think that LaFace was like the first thing that happened in Atlanta. No, no. Let me let me let me let me just give you a little history about when I started the guys that was popping in Atlanta. My first experience with an artist, and I wasn't even working at the record company then, I was working at a at this lumber company called West Lumber Company up on MLK while I was in school. So I was going to school and working there. And I used to eat lunch at this place called Raheem Seafood, which King Jarvis and Raheem the Dream worked. So I would go there and eat lunch. And I would share all this information that I was learning at the school with them with all these books. Uh, Donna Passman, everything you need to know about the music industry. It was just like, so we would just sit up there and chop it up. So at that particular time, Raheem was making this record, Raheem the Dream. So I remember when all that stuff was happening. And of course, MC Shadi, Mike Fresh, all them guys, you know, the whole loop movement was loop was coming up here, taking guys down to Miami because these was, you know, these guys were producing some 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 really big records. And a lot of other guys. There was a lot of there was a lot of music going on in Atlanta. I mean, like some of the stuff I didn't even know was was happening because I was in a whole nother world. I was like really working at a major label. So I was dealing with that stuff, but you know, that underground scene was was popping. So these are all of the guys like matter of fact for the listeners, um some of the people he's talking about, if you've seen that VH1 documentary uh about ATL hip hop, these are the guys that he's talking about, the ones that were really laying the groundwork yeah. to what you what you hear now. Right. Yeah. So um at that at you know, during that period, man, I mean, Atlanta was popping. I mean, man, you know, everything that you heard on, on V103, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was popping. So, you know, I go back to when I was at the record company. Um, so I started meeting a lot of guys. Um, and this young guy who was this young super producer, they had a deal with Geffen Records. And that was Jermaine Dupree. And his first group was uh, Silk Times Leather, the female group. And uh, Jermaine and, and, and Skeeter Rock, they used to come down to get records from me. And, you know, they used to come down and just hang out because they had a deal. Uh, Mike Malden, he had his management company. He was managing the artists that was signed to Atlantic and G. So we just kind of, you know, got this bond. We'll go out on the road with them. You know, so I was shadowing, you know, a lot of my mentors. They would take me out on the road to do radio with them. So I started really getting that bug for a promotion because they just took me under their wing and shot, you know, just taught me everything that was going on, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Going out on the tours with them. I remember going out with Ice T and we almost got locked up in Savannah because, you know, you know, the the whole thing, the whole still the whole rap movement in the South was was new. So, you know, being out on the road with Al B. Sure and New Edition and Bobby Brown. I saw all this stuff, man. So it was Big Daddy Kane. 
So it was that's when Atlanta was the music scene was really starting to you know you could see the change coming you know because a lot of records was starting to flow from New York. Um, funny story, um, another one of my mentors, Earl Sellers, he was working for uh, what was Prism. Prism became Cold Chilling, but uh, before they did the deal with Warner Brothers, the like it was called Prism Records. And they had the first Big Daddy Kane record, which was Raw. So they couldn't get the record played in Atlanta on B103. Darren Fears had his show on Friday nights. So they was like, hey, we need you to go and get this record played on B103. It's like, how am I going to get the record played? I don't, that ain't what I do. But I took it as a challenge. So I met Darren and gave him the record. He didn't play it right off. Just so happened, I was going out one night, and he dropped the record on B103, man. And that was the first time I was like, man, this is, I like this. You know, to get a record played, like, this is this is cool. This is what I want to do. Of course, they were supposed to pay me $100, and I never got paid. <laughs> but the experience was cool. Call him out right now, man. Call him hey. out right now. Hey, Earl, you owe me some money, man. You're going to pay what you owe. Owe me 100 bucks. <laughs> Teddy Aston, shout out to Teddy Aston. Teddy was was one of my mentors. He worked for uh, for Warner Brothers back then. But uh, those guys took me under their wing, man. I was, you know, I was barely twenty twenty one. If that, still, I still wasn't able to get in clubs. But I got in clubs, and uh, you know, and it just kind of grew from there. So fast forward, nineteen ninety one. Um, I took my first promotion job and moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, working for Reprise Records and had an opportunity to work with Big Daddy Kane again because um, they moved him from Warner Brothers over to Reprise. So we had that. We had the New Jack City soundtrack. We had Christopher Williams. Uh, we had Color Me Bad. Um, so, you know, we was semi-popping. You yeah, know. yeah, those were big yeah. artists at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then I got to work with probably my all-time favorite artist, uh, Zap and uh, Roger Troutman, and man, I mean, he he was the ultimate professional man. Just, just Dayton, Ohio. What up? I'm sorry. That's I... a really cool dude. I learned so much from him on how to handle yourself. Period. You know, he was a professionist. I mean, his interviews, his shows. I mean, he went all out. So, you know, it it was a learning experience for me. I was always I was always the youngest on staffs. Every staff that I had worked at for the, probably the first 15 years of my career. I was the youngest person on the staff, and I was the only one that worked out of a house. I didn't have any assistants, no interns. Everybody else worked out of branches. That's when they had offices and all that stuff with interns, and everybody, anybody who wanted to be in the business could go and if you knew somebody and you know get an internship. So I had to do all this stuff myself. This was before email and and texting and all this. We had to type our reports. We had to fax them over. You had to shake hands and meet people and we talk. We had to actually meet people and talk, you know? And uh, that was no BDS. That was no media base. That was no way of tracking your records. You literally had to go into the markets and listen to radio and see if these guys were playing your records because that was, you know, it was all, it was either trust or you went in to really listen to the radio stations to see if they were playing your records. So, it was a real fun period, man. I, I really had a, a, a great time. You know, relationships back then were very important to us. Uh, you know, you knew the wife, you knew the kids, you knew the girlfriend, 
you know, the favorite places to eat. You just knew everything about, you know, about the people that you was doing business with because we actually talked. It wasn't about texting and emailing and all that. If we went into the market, you took the family out. You know, you went to the house and, you know, you hung out. You know, that's that's how we that's how we used to get down. And uh, but we got the business done as well. You know, of course, fast forward and the business model has really changed. But one thing was always stay the same, and that's what I tell you know, young people who are getting into business, you have to have great relationships. Relationships are so important. Next year will be 30 years that I've been in the record business. And it's not because of, you know, I'm you know, of course I think I'm good at what I do, but I've always had some great relationships. And it wasn't, you know, the, the, the quantity of people that I knew, it was the quality of people that I knew. So I don't know. I still don't know everybody in the industry, and I never tried to know everybody. But you know, if I knew five great people that were going to look out for me, then I was good. You know, so I've always lived by that, and you know, just you know, did the work. But you know, the one thing that always kept me, I guess, grounded was my you know my love for the music. You know, I never got starstruck. I never got to a point where. You know, I was going to do something that was going to jeopardize, you know, my gig or make the company look bad, you know, and when all the, when I was, you know, when the transitions and the mergers and all that stuff was happening, you know, it was always the music that kept me like, okay, I still want to do this because I believe in the music. I love the music. And that's what a lot of these, even artists today, they don't really love the music. They love what comes with it. They don't really love it. I'm talking to guys who call themselves songwriters and producers, and they don't even know songwriters. They don't even know their records. Like, I test a kid one day. I was like, name me five Lionel Richie records. And he couldn't do it. And I'm like, you're a songwriter? <laughs> one of the greatest songwriters of all right. time. But, you know, you mentioned something. Okay, so if you keep your circle really small like that, if you, you know, keep five great people that you know, then how, speak to me a little bit about loyalty. What happens, you know what I'm saying, when those merges do happen, those transitions happen? Do you stick with the people or do you stick with the company? Well, when, 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 let, let, me, let, me, let me go back when I, when I say, you know, it, it might not be five people, but I just use this, you know, I'm not right. trying to know 20, 20, 20, 20, 30, 40 people. Right. Because if you're trying to do that, then you'll never get no work done. What I and loyalty is a big it is is a lost word in this business. There is no loyalty. That word is done. It's 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 gone. Cause I've seen guys who say they down with you. If somebody else offered them five more dollars than what you're paying them, they gone. You know what I'm saying? I get it. I understand. But leave for the right reason. You know what I mean? Leave for the right reason. Do the do the right thing. Just don't move because somebody is gonna pay you more money. Because at the end of the day, that might not be the right job for you. And then you get over there and then you're like, man, why did I do this? I should have stuck with X, Y, Z. I should have did this. I w- it would have paid off for me in the long run. And, you know, so I've seen guys take jobs like that and then they end up regretting that they left because they was chasing the dollar. And I mean, that's what everybody's, you know, the business gotten so bad, you know, that's what everybody, you know, it's all about the money for everybody now. It's like, Man, please, man. Man, you my dog, but they're going to pay me more money. I'm out. You know, it's funny. Sometimes you see those guys who are, and I don't know if you know what I mean by this. I say guys who are number twos, 
but they get an offer to be a number one, and they're really not number ones, and they go take that money and fall flat on their face because because they're not ready. Yeah, that's not your thing. You 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 might be a really good number two. Dude, I was always good at being. I was. I never wanted to be a vice president. I never wanted to be stuck in an office all day in meetings, tied down to where I couldn't get out and move around and really continue to be in the streets and know what was going on. Um, yes, I've had offers to move to New York and, and, and L.A. Uh, God rest his soul, one of my big brother's mentors, Ronnie Johnson. Um, you know, I've had those opportunities, but once you turn down one, then with the people that you know, they ain't going to ask you again because they, yeah. they understand, they know who you are. So it was, once I turned down one, it was like, I don't want to do that. He never asked me. He never asked me again. Right. Because he knew that I never wanted to do that. And then when you get get those type of jobs, man, you know, you're really the first ones to go. You know, it's a lot of pressure on being, you know, being, you know, the division leader, the head of that department. And uh, I just like being in the field. Yeah. You know, it's because I'm not just a promotion guy. I'm a music guy. So I love music. Like, I've always been in a studio or work, you know, being around artists. It never was like just straight radio. Let me just go to radio and let me not. I, like, how can you be in this business and not do it and all? And not touch like, the music. Not touch the music. So it was so funny. Um, Ian Burke. Ian, Ian's a good friend of mine. Um, Ian was... Ian's been responsible for putting his hand on a lot of talented artists in, in the city, TLC, and, you know, the whole uh, uh, outcast. He's just been around all that. You know, he was that dude that was around everything. But um, Ian brought me in to what, what, I, what, what I perceived back then, because I didn't know, to manage Arrested Development. You know, I'm thinking, okay, you know. I'm managing this group. We're going to get them a record deal. You know, so by me working at the label, I was able to get the music to everybody. Virgin, Warner Brothers, Atlantic, Electra. So I could pass the music around to everybody. Man, nobody bid on them dudes. I was like, I'll never forget the conversation that I had with one one of my mentors. She worked for, I ain't going to name the record company, but... She sent the music to her boss, and her boss said, them, them, them Southern dudes, they don't know nothing. They said something else. Them Southern dudes don't know nothing about no hip-hop. Oh, you can cuss. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> them Negroes don't know nothing about no damn hip-hop. That's still not a curse, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I'm trying, to, trying to be. Right. I appreciate your effort. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to. But she said, that's what she said. Even when I applied for for a job, when they first did like the first national rap guy, same thing. They was just like, they don't, they're in the South. They don't know nothing about no, no hip hop. Right. They don't know nothing about no rap. And lo and behold, band, you know, you see what happened with Arrested Development. Yeah. You know, you, you see, you know, you see what happened. See what happened with, with the that. South. <laughs> see what happened with the South. It's running stuff. So yeah, exactly. You know, and then that's when I I, I can't. I think I don't even know when La faced them. Can they? I think I was gone. No, I, yeah, I think I was gone because I remember coming coming back to Atlanta for a Jack the Rapper 
and seeing them showcase Usher uh, when he when they first signed him. That was early nineties, then right? Because I left in ninety one, so it had to be ninety one, ninety two. It had to be around that time. It had to be maybe a little. I can't. I can't remember. Like I said, I wouldn't even. I had all this other stuff over here that I was that I was in into man. I ain't even kidding about no other record companies because I'm like yeah. I had the I was at the best company in the world at that particular time. Like we had everybody, right? Prince, uh, Madonna, I mean Van Halen, uh, Metallica. I mean you name it. Uh, Frankie ball. Beverly, Frankie Beverly and Maze. You know they brought them back. I worked the Earth Wind and Fire project. I worked Cameo, Keep Sweat. Man, I worked some really cool Osley brothers. Like wow. we Anita Baker. Like we were on fire. Like And this was this me? was out of the Charlotte office now, right? No, this was still this was Atlantic, but okay. that, but that was still my office. That gotcha. was that was my office. Even when I moved to Charlotte, Atlanta was my branch. Gotcha. So so fun all these people I literally I ran into today. I just ran into Keith Sweat tonight. I ran into my old branch manager the other day at at the mall. So it's like it's it's crazy. But you know the music was good, man. The music was in, the music was incredible. We had, I mean, we had money. We was throwing parties. I remember one time we threw two parties for Paula Abdul. She came to Atlanta twice, and I know we, I know those parties was at least fifteen, twenty thousand dollars each. Yeah, that's back when they spent a lot of money. Oh man, we were spending money, man. Dude, some man, dude. I mean, dude, the parties that they used to throw back then were incredible. I mean, like, just just incredible, man. Man, if the listeners could see the look on his face, man, right dude, man, man, dude, and and I'm telling you, and I was a, and I was like, I was green, but just to be in a room with a Donna Summers, a George Clinton, you know, Al Jarreau, George Benson, and Earl Clue. You know, Roger. I remember when Roger brought his bus down with the with the pullout, with the studio in it, when he was recording Shirley Murdoch. Like just just little stuff like that, man. Just it's it's just it's amazing. What really keeps me in this game, man, is the music, bro. I love music. And it ain't been it ain't been all that good to me either. It's been some bad times because I was out of work for the my first merge, I was out for nine months. First time I had been out of a, out of a job in fifteen years. That's when I knew the industry was changing. What types of things were changing at that time? The monies, of course. You know the the the, the three hundred thousand dollar, five hundred thousand dollar videos that we were spending. Uh, just the consolidation. Uh, that's when Napster started started to hit. That file. So we talking sharing. about like two thousand. Right, two thousand, something like that. Yeah. Two thousand one, maybe. That was the second time, but the first time, uh, the first time was in like the like the mid nineties. Okay. So it's happened. It's every time there's something, it's that changes with the world or new technology or something happened. It always affects the. Music. It affects the music. Think about when the CDs. I remember when CDs first entered the building. They were classical CDs. No contemporary music was on CD. It was all classical. 
we had a wall. We had a uh, a wall. It was only a half a wall that stored CDs. Man, by the time I left, man, they had moved all the vinyl out. I mean, literally, I seen the whole transition from 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 vinyl cassettes to CDs. It was amazing to see because I used to ask myself, "What are they doing with all this vinyl?" You're not. They didn't sell it all at that particular time. We used to make this joke. Oh, they just dumping it in the ocean. <laughs> but it's Bensonville, Illinois. We say, they say something about the Bensonville. But now all that vinyl is coming back. You think they just threw that vinyl away, or they shipped it overseas? They Probably, sold yeah. it all. But dude, secondhand record stores. Yeah, man, you can't get rid of all the vinyl. So you're just thinking about one branch, right? Think about all the other branches, and then all the other record companies. They just didn't throw that vinyl away. That's money. Yeah. So now you're seeing all this vinyl come back. You know, Urban Outfitters selling vinyl. Vinyl now thirty bucks. I bought a I bought a, a vinyl album of uh, a Shaft for forty bucks. Recently? Was, yeah, because it and was brand new. Brand new. Yeah, they probably just put it in the warehouse. But it was, but, but it was, it was, it was purple vinyl. Collector's edition. <laughs> yeah, you can't find that. Yeah. But you know what's then, funny about that time period though? That's when the record industry figured out the idea that they could resell you the same things you already had on CD. And it's kind of like where the reason why I messed up the second time in the 2000s was because once they sold you the CDs and it turned to MP3s, there wasn't anything we could resell you. Right. And, and that's kind of was the beginning of the falling down of the the big monster behemoth of music industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, because so much of the industry was based on being able to sell that physical product. Right. The physical I mean, of product. Course, yeah, I mean, of course, there's other revenue streams, but that was that was the staple. That was the bread and butter right there. Yeah, but Record if you sales. If, if you can remember when we were growing up and going into Turtles or Peaches or Camelot or any of these other record stores, you had people in there that were knowledgeable of the music. So you might go in and buy one thing. But then somebody, hey man, you might want to check this out, right. man. This is this. Is so you you go in, you come out two or three albums and some forty fives. Now you know it's a little space. You can't ask nobody about nothing because they don't know nothing. So right. you just you going in a Best Buy or somewhere like that. You just if it's not in the top twenty or top fifty or however they rank it. it, you don't even see it. So now you got to go and download it. But back then, man, my wife used to hate when I would go into the record store. Cause I would stay for hours going through vinyl. Right. You know, not only did I have to go through it, I used to have to count all of our product and send a report back to oh, to LA. Inventory. It was I all manual. Take, yeah. So I had to count. I had to go in, count, hey, such and such got 20 pieces of this. They've sold such and such of that. Yeah, that's how we used to, that's how we <laughs> used to keep count of it. Because that's know? part of that's part of how the artist would even look at their their statements to say, okay, we sold this many, but we had this many come back, so on and so forth, and we're yeah. broken, and you know. Yeah, but it was you know you when you look at it now, it was so much. It was just too much that was left. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just you know it's just like with airplay back then. If a guy tell you he's playing your record twenty times, only thing he had to do was write it on his report. And send it to the trades. I've walked in radio stations, and the record was never even in the station. And he said twenty times, and it never even got played. Never even got played. Wow. So a lot of these records that we think and thought and 
and, and still to this day think that they were number one records back then, man, it was all, yeah. all those all those things was based on relationships, bro. Oh. If I'm cool with you, I say, man, I need I need a heavy, man. I need you to report this as a heavy this week. It was light, mediums, and heavies. And they would do their calculations. As far as the spins. Yeah. The rotations. And they would send the report out to LA and tally up everything. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, then, of course, Billboard was based on retail and airplay and all that stuff back then. You know, people still, a lot of folks still couldn't figure it out. Right. And then you get this record that's number one. Like, okay. All right. So, so catch us up about what you do now then and how that's different. Uh, now, man, um, I'm I'm at Capitol Records. Um, my second time at Capitol Records. I came, I left um I left Island back in uh doing the another merger when Island and Universal merged and then Universal um merged with merged Def Jam and Island together. So I left and I came to Capitol. That was Early two thousand, uh, no, late, late ninety nine, yeah, ninety nine, and I uh, came to Capitol, and the only record that we had that was a successful record was Sammy, the young artist Sammy. I like or something like that. Yep, I like. Shout out Sammy. What up? Yep, yep. Still a Atlanta yep, guy. Yep, Sammy do, did his thing. Great kid, and um, that was another merger when I got to Capitol, merged with Priority Records. Um. So I was out for two years. I didn't do any music. Burnout, really. Uh, that that time, I was I was like burnout. Like I got to, I needed it. Uh, but I had just signed a new contract, so they had to pay me for two years. So I had the money coming in. But you know, that's when I, you know, I I started to see a change. It was like, okay, I'm back home in Atlanta. I got to do something else. So. I did this this journey, man, and like gave my life to Christ. It was like, you know, if you put me back in, put me back in with a purpose. And that's when I came up, you know, God gave me MEG, Music Education Group, my nonprofit. And I started that. And um, my partner, Ronnie Johnson, again, he came and said, hey, it's time for you to go back to work. And I went back and I worked for Atlantic and um, stayed there until... Uh, 2007, and then I came back to Capitol in the same position that I had left. So it was like full circle. So, you know, I've been here uh, since 2007, and um, it's been good. You know, business is changing. Business model has changed again. Now we've added streaming. You know, people trying to figure that out. I just saw something today with uh, the girl that had the bass record out. She had all these streams, over a hundred and something million streams, and she only made like $6,500 or some crazy number like that. I'm like, what the hell is going on, man? Like, But I will say this, and this is just my observation. The music industry has, has been so arrogant that we let people control, other people control how we put our content out. And what I mean by that, you know, instead of the record companies coming together and saying, hey, we're going to control how we, this is our music, it's signed, it's signed to us, 
why are we letting people dictate how our music go out? Okay, now we're making CDs and cassettes and you know, and then, you know, okay, that was cool. But how long was that shit gonna last? Right. You know what I'm saying? Instead of them saying, okay, let's find out what's the new technology coming out. We need to embrace that. We need to get in on that because we don't need somebody telling us how our music is going to be dictated and how people are going to buy it. Now you 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 you, you fast forward, look at Apple, look at iTunes. I mean, like, they control how the music flows. And they weren't a music company at all. No, but they saw the gap. Right. But they tell the music companies, hey, this is how we going to do it. Well, no, now they are a music company. They're, they are a music yeah, company. They weren't, but they are definitely because a music they, company. Because now. they saw the gap. They saw they saw that op- they saw the opportunity. We ain't got to create the content. They got the content. We just got to create how we gonna get it to the consumer. We'll pay them for the content, and we still gonna be up. We're the only business that give away more more free product. We give away giveaways. We we. We go and cre- we created these two and three hundred thousand dollar videos that we gave away for free to MTV, BT, VH1, and never re- and, and never really made any money off of these things. Right? Like, you know, we we give free music away to the radio stations. They don't pay us to. You know what I'm saying? They don't say, "Hey, uh, Mr. Capital, we're gonna pay you a uh, hundred thousand dollars to play your record. Give it, give it, give it to us." No. I mean, a lot of times it's kind of the other way around. <laughs> it is legally, illegally, whatever you right. want to say. Right? Absolutely. So I, we still, we still the only one that make music, create music, and still got to pay people to deal with our music, whether it's to sell our music, whether it's to play our music. It's 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 crazy. How do you feel about the young guys who have you know began? Giving away mixtapes and stuff like that. How do you, I mean, just you know, stepping back a few feet and taking a look at the broad picture. How do you feel about that? People being so willing to just give away full albums and just for credibility or I, people I, knowing I, you. I don't agree with it. I think when you when you give something away, you devalue it. Most guys would disagree with me. I've had this conversation with a lot of guys. I think in certain cases it might help. Um, but you cannot. You have to monetize your product at some point. You just cannot continue to give away free music. Some guy told me, "Hey man, I'm a producer. I'm a writer. I can make this stuff all day long. It's still costing you, bro. <laughs> it's costing you your time. You can't. You can't get that back. And then you might be making music, but that don't mean that people gonna like it and it's a hit." And then you make a record and it's a hit. We you don't know if it's a hit. We never know if these records are hit records. The consumer tells us that. And when we get it in our head that you know, we just we just make the content and the people decide on what whether it's a hit or not, then we'll get out of this whole thing about we got to make a single. We got to make a single. We got to come up with the next single. You don't know what what the next single is. You don't know. You probably already got it. But the way that the industry is set up, that everything is like so fast, it's microwave, like we got to get this record up, we got to get it up, we got to get the spins up, we got to, 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 we ain't got time. We got to move now because if we don't, somebody else is going to get that spot. So, you know, radio stations are showing their playlists, you know, we got consultants now, you got... 
research. You got all these other factors that come into play that never did before that you have to consider. So, you know, I see why a lot of guys, they give away, you know, free music because, you know, they're trying to build a fan base. But at some time, you just got to be like, man, you got to monetize your stuff. You you know, you just cannot be known as the dude that just give away free music all the time. Like, you got some artists, that's all they do is just give away their music. Yeah. And, you know? Well, I'll say this. I mean, you preaching to the choir, number one, because I started as an artist, and I'm not a fan of that whole mixtape uh, era where everybody was giving away mixtapes. But- it it became known as the way to become popular to to get on quote unquote by giving away your music and if you gave away enough of it then most people the theory was that more people would know who you are and then they would be they would all like it and be willing to pay for it the next time around yeah but it's like the next time never came Next time never came, might not come, might not the music might not be as good as it was the first time, you know. You know, I tell I tell artists all the time, I say you work your whole entire career for that first record. You do. Once the first record, once you release that first record, the clock starts to tick. Cause now you gotta go back in, you gotta do that again. And then if you sign to a label, you, you now you really got the heat and the pressure on you, especially if you don't have no juice. Like they want a record right now. Like, where's the next record? That's why I'm like, you know, people get jumping all around all, you know, you get one of these records, it's a hot single, it's this and that. I'm like, okay, so so what about the other records? Uh, they don't have one. You don't have another record? You just got that one record? Like, that's not good, bro. Like, because you get the deal and then you got to rush and try to find another record. And then if you don't find another record, then... You're gonna lose the the momentum that you had, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get back that momentum because these kids they gone to the next record, they gone to the next artist. Like they ain't really in, in love with they're not really in love with artists. They're in love with the music, you know. And the only thing that keeps them really connected to the artist is through their social media sites. You take that away from an artist, then it just becomes a record. Oh, and you can stick anybody's face on that record, and they would never know. Who it was, so you know you 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 really have to analyze the market that you're going into. You got to be more strategic, and that's what I tell these guys. I say y'all got to study the game. Like you just can't make music and just put it out. You have to have a a path. Now, for example, we we uh we signed a record. This kid Salento. Watch me. Now, I met this kid back in February, right? Didn't have a deal. Met him just, you know, hey, how you doing? On some, you know, that was it. I did an event at the King Center, and we needed an artist to come and perform. So I called my partner. I said, hey, man, call that kid. You know, call him, you know, the kid that you introduced me. I didn't even know his name. I said, call that kid and see if he can come and do that, that song he got. He came, he performed. Didn't know this till yesterday. A partner of mine was there. He was he was telling me. The kid was saying, hey, man, what am I supposed to do? He's like, go out there and perform and do your record. He didn't even know. Now, the same day that he came, 
my partner told me that Capital had called them about doing a deal. I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, I told you, I told you. I was like, man, I'm not dealing with no kid artist, dude. Like, no, never. I- I'm good. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Plus, like, who am I going to send it to? Like, my dude, he he's not even at the company anymore. So I didn't really have a relationship with the A&R department. So I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. If it happens, it happens. I mean, of course, we see what happened. Records, hottest record this this summer, right? Over two million, so worldwide. I mean, the kid's been on every freaking show that you can name. But I still only hear that one song. You only hear that one song. Now they working. Yeah, they working, and the kid is talented. But they didn't expect that record to take off right. like that, man. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. You just never know where hit records gonna come from. And that's why you always got to be prepared, and just in you got to. It's like, you, like who who goes out with one bullet in their in their gun? You might miss the first time. You got to have you got to have another one in the gun because you're gonna be like Barney Fife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just gonna be a one bullet. <laughs> you know, like that's no good. <laughs> so now you 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 got to work twice as hard. You're under the pressure of making that other record, and that's what I'm saying. You worked that whole. He worked his whole little career to get that record and now you're under pressure because now you got to come up with another record you ain't had no pressure when you was making that record you was doing it because you know that's what you felt mm-hmm. but now you got the label saying hey hey we need another record hey try this one hey record this one hey get in with this producer hey do this hey do that and now those creative juices that were coming to you so natural, now you feel like you're being boxed in. And I, and, and I know this because artists have told me this. You know, they fell under the gun because now they got to come in. And you're never going to make a record as big as your first record. You just never. I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't, even Drake, I, I, he, I don't know if the records that he's been making have been as big as his first record. Might have, I don't know. I just know the artists that I've dealt with, they've never had records bigger than their first record. And 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 radio will try to hold you to that too. Like, well, his record ain't as this record ain't as big as the first record. No, it's not. Right. And it won't be. So quit comparing that record to the new record. So, you know, that's just radio way of saying they don't want to play the record. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's so many, it's so so many tricks to the trade, man. But <laughs> I love the craziness, man. I love it, man. It's like organized chaos, as I call it. You know, we we in this crazy, this crazy world. Because you know, all of us, all three of us sitting here, ain't you know, we ain't wrapped too tight. No way <laughs> dealing with that's, this. That's what my wife tells me. I don't know, man. I think I'm pretty secure with it, but <laughs> yeah, we ain't. You know, I, you know, I don't dream in I don't dream in colors about about music because I'm not a creative person. You know, but you know, I. I really admire people who can sit in and write and produce and come up with tracks. It's not a, it's not easy, and we used to really cherish that. But now it's like anybody can go to the grocery store. I call uh, Guitar Center and Sam Nash. I call them the grocery stores because the guys they be up in there shopping like that. The grocery store be so many people in there. Right now, anybody can be a, a producer. Or a rapper or a singer because you know they can 
go and get this equipment and put it in their home studio and crank out a hit record. And the kids going to go crazy. My jeans in the New York fitty. Mm. Though this ain't another story. Yeah, I moved to I paint that picture. Ooh, I want you when the one came with you. Mm. And she know that I'ma get it. This Steve no sick free. Uh. And she know I can paint that kitty. What? Up till six in the morning. Duty they don't spit anymore. Gassed up off riches and hoes. When you really get both with no. The brightest one in the room. Yuli got a fake as chain. Niggas better pay their rent. In the club trying to make it rain. What a shame. Nah, really, it's a shame. It's the motherfucking shame. He ain't buying none of y'all fool playing game. What am I here trying to be the motherfucking man for real? It all started in the green room. With Jay Baker some beats too. Remember when I snuck in the band when I couldn't play ball during season two? Look, I couldn't read sheet music. Now the young boy bleed music. Trying to cover up with a nigga style. If I throw a couple shots, but you bleed through a blue. Ain't nothing change. Trying to make change, or I'm trying to make a change. Yeah, I think I change, wanna see a little fame, but I'm used to the light. Young dudes do the same, but it's all on us. It's all on us, it's all on us, yeah, it's all on us. It's all on us, yeah. See, it's all on us. It's all on us, it's all on us, yeah, it's all on us. And nobody else, nobody, nobody. Y'all tell you around, let me feel that shit. Mm, feel that shit. But you know, keep it real like this. Young women may put it feel like this, why? Feel that shit, yeah. know they feel that. Yeah. Who you know keep it real like that. Young with him ain't better. Look, late nights riding through the city, going through my phone looking for my old bitch. Cause I know they give it up with a quit. Where the right spot, but she bring me through what she was. Self esteem on a whole nother level. Made a few trades, but my team still trouble. Young with free and I mean on the double. If you need your dream, I can spare your cover. Uh, City getting crazy, and five old killing babies. Look, when the court getting lazy, bust up in the whole life. Fuck you, pay me. When you tryna shine, when they throw the most shade. Try to play it cool, but that shit get you high Flex on the wheel like they really got it made Know they suck dick, just get a nigga spot See, I don't really know what's going on I'm just trying to put the city on And I feel that I can do it on my own With my team, I'm just getting nigga wrong What? Trying to get it right Been working all night, I've been working all night Look, I need a release, baby girl Just hope this tight Yeah, East Coast feel, raid in the south Middle finger up, stand in your couch Days at the school, it would do popping on When the boy came out, made it ran through his mind Trying to elevate a nigga mind they tryna knock your shit loose No it ain't coming, no it ain't day But these little dudes tryna prove they the truth So it's all on us It's all on us, it's all on us, it's all on us It's all on us It's all on us It's all on us, it's all on us, it's all on us Look and nobody else, nobody, nobody Try to tell you around, know you feel that shit Yeah, know you feel that shit Who you know, keep it real like that Young Willie May, but they feel like that Why? Feel that shit Yeah, know they feel that mm. Who you know, keep it real like that Young Willie May, but they feel like that Yeah Young Willie May, but they feel like that Why? You know, keep it real that song was Willie Mays by Steve Cantrell. Don't forget to check out Steve Cantrell over at soundcloud.com slash Steve Cantrell. Download his new EP, the EP Tape Demo Project. 
Visit us at the9010rule.com. That's 9010rule.com. So how then do you feel about, for instance, the guys that come to you now, you know, knowing that you've been in the industry, how do you, how do you feel about artists like doing their own thing or trying to sign to that label deal? Like, is that still something people should be chasing or, and I know you're going to be a little bit biased because you work for a label, but. Yeah, of course, because, you know, for what they don't know, we do know. Kind of go into that a little bit though. What is, I, what is it that people are missing when they say, man, I can do this by myself? Well, they're missing a whole lot. First of all, they're missing the money. It takes it takes it takes money to really do this. Now people might say, no, it don't. It does. You gotta spend some money. And the crazy part about it, man, most artists that I run into, they have no idea on what it would cost to just the production piece of their product. And then they wanna go in and do videos and and all this stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. Slow down. <laughs> like Slow down. You got to start from from the ground level first, man. You know, got to get the music right. Right. And I get it. You know, that's the whole thing. You know, do the record, make a video, put the video out, then go to then y'all want to go to straight to radio. No, <laughs> we have we have a hard hard time going straight to radio, right. especially with a new act. We got to build a you know we got to build some type of buzz. You know. So how how is that done? But if you're not using the radio, how does a, a label like Capital? How do you build the brand before you get to the radio? Well, it varies with different artists. For example, Salento, right? He never had a he when the record came out. Everybody had been doing their own videos to the to the to the song, so nobody never saw him. Nobody right. they didn't know who he was. It wasn't until we did the official video that everybody was like, oh, that's him. It was it was actually a good video, too, because funny right. story, um, my daughter's in a group I was telling you about, mm-hmm. and um, her group was going to do a, a, a song with him. Mm-hmm. And me being the consultant, you know, I was, I was trying to hold him back. I looked online, and I saw nothing on the kid. Mm-hmm. I saw no songs. Everything I saw was, like you say, fan-based songs, doing the dance or whatever. I couldn't find any information on him. And then... She shows me the video. I'm like, man, we probably should have did that video. I felt just like you did when you yeah. were saying I would have passed on him. Yeah. I would I passed on him too. Yeah, yeah. We should have been in that video. We almost were, but yeah. I told him, nah, I don't don't worry about that video. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, that that video it just really it took off, and and it was a dance song, so you right. know everybody could could get in on it. But just think, if he never done a video. We could have been Salento. Either one of us could have been Salento. Mm-hmm. You know? How can you, man, I'm in the studio. I could change my, the pitch of my voice. I could have, you know, <laughs> anybody could have been Salento. I think people used to do that back in the day, too. Like, before there were videos, and like, before MTV and all that, and people used to just show up and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm so-and-so, and I'm singing tonight. Yeah, look at Miller Vanilla. Uh-huh. Right. Like, Especially to get the girls, you know. I mean, you know, you look at the the whole Millie Vanilli thing. Like, man, you they took that all the way to the Grammys, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, like you talking about the the, the the trick of all tricks? <laughs> like, man, I fooled you. Like, I fooled everybody, right? But now, nah, I think you know the, the 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 great part about this game: there are no rules, and there is no one way to do it. There is no like magic bullet. You know, you. 
you just have to find the formula that works for you, that works for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, because we could be in the same genre of music and and have three different ways of how to get to the you know reach that 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 plateau of success. Um, you know, and that's what makes that's what makes this game so so great. But you do have to have the basic knowledge of the industry in order to do that. You still got to have a foundation. I don't care what you're doing. You can't build this house without a foundation. Not every house looks alike, but every house has a foundation. It has the walls and the roof. Now, what what it looks like on the inside is going to be totally different. Right. And that's just how I look at music. Like, as long as you got the foundation down, then, you know, do you. And that's and that's for real. Okay, so check. Matter of fact, let me give you a scenario, right? So, independent artist, I recorded my song in my bathroom or whatever. Now, if if I ask anytime I ask an artist that I like, I go to an open mic or whatever, I hear him, I think he's dope, and I'd be like, "Yo, man, why aren't you popping?" A lot of times, the answer I get may be something similar to, "Oh, the the city don't support me." Right. And these are the same guys that are trying to promote their music via social media. So they might tweet you or try to DM you or something like that to to hear their music, but they're not seeing the progress that they would like to see. You being a promotions guy, you got a hot record you really believe in. Now what? From an independent standpoint? Right. Hit the streets. Get outside of your city. You know, Jesus had to leave his hometown to get popular. You got to go. You got, I mean, for real. Like, nobody, you know, it's it's real hard for artists to pop in their city. So you got to, you got to get outside. You got to go to the Macon's and the Augusta's and the Columbus and the Huntsville's, the Birmingham. You got to go outside because Atlanta is the big city. Like, you got three of the biggest radio stations in the South in Atlanta. And... Just like you trying to get that spot on V Hotter Streets, we're trying to get that spot too. So it's gonna it's gonna go to the best record, really. It ain't even about the major. It ain't even about the independent versus the major anymore. It's like it's going to the best record, bro. I'm, I deal with that every day. It ain't got nothing to do with a record company and the money that you have. They're gonna play the best record. And if that independent record is better than my record, guess what? That's the record that they're going to play. But I hear it all the time, too. I'm hot in the streets. I'm hot in the streets. Like, what streets you hot in? Because <laughs> if you was that hot, then I would hear about you. You wouldn't have to say that to me. <laughs> wouldn't have to say it to me. Right. You know? And, and you know, now the whole thing is social media. Social media get you, you know, get you... You know, get your views up, get your likes up, get your followers up. I'm so sick of hearing that, dog, but that's what they be looking at. But I know managers that, like, they hear people say, oh, yeah, man, you got to promote your stuff on social media. I know managers that laugh at it. Oh, you going to tweet your record? Like, (laughs) it's a joke. It's a joke. But there are people that literally wake up. Every day, and like, all right, I'm going to tweet this guy. I'm going to tweet this guy. I'm going to go find some more A&Rs. I'm going to 
and message them. I'm a DM this guy, so on and so forth, because they think that's the way. And you do. It's true that you do have access to more people on your phone, on Facebook or Twitter or something like that than you do walking down the street. But it doesn't mean, at least from my perspective, it doesn't mean that the people that you meet walking down the street are going to continue to support you. They might listen to you for a few seconds, but I don't even know if they listen. You know, it's too much. Too much. Too much coming through. Hey, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, (laughs) this is it's 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 too much, bro. Like I got I got I got emails on my phone that I just cannot get to everything. Like it's just highly impossible. You still got access. You still you still got people that still mail. CDs to record companies think they're gonna get a deal like that. Literally, you still got people that do that. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to a girl today. She was like, "Well, I need to end our guy's email address because it wasn't on the website." Duh. <laughs> Why would he put his email on the website? Do you understand what would happen? <laughs> That's why I don't carry cards. Right. Man, my I would never get any work done. My thing would be going off. All the time. And 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 then they just think that because they emailed you, that you're supposed to listen to their music right away. Like, it don't work like that. Like, if you really want this, you got to hound me. You got to show me that you want it. They want it to. You know, it's 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 like it's that microwave mentality. Yeah. They think because they make a record that they get it to you that you're supposed to just listen to it right away and take it in the building and say, hey, sign this artist. It don't work like that. Not with me. I'm old school. Like you gonna, I'm gonna make you earn this. I'm gonna, you gonna earn this conversation. Hey, that you showed know? me that that showed me that you want it though. That's dangerous. That's dangerous because, like, if when someone hears that and if they apply it to their work ethic, then that's great, right? You're doing the work. You're showing the world. That this is who you are and this is what you want to do. Right. But for most people, I think what they do is just hound you more and get more and more desperate and get more and more uh, disrespectful, so on and so forth. And I know you're eating, bro. I just want to get it like. Dude, I'm going to tell you my experience. Yeah, I see you taking a shit, man. But, you know, (laughs) I'm going to take these headphones. But you know what? From my experience, that doesn't happen. They give up, man. They give up. They give up. What do you mean? Explain. Mm. They quit calling. Oh. Like if I say, hey, man, I'm going to hit you back. And not do it on purpose. Just to see if they really, you know, just to see if they really want it. Like give them like two weeks, three weeks. Man, they just quit calling. They just give up. Wow. Like they don't want it. Because if you wanted it, I would be that dude. Cause that's what I do for my. That's what I do every day. I have to pick up the phone. I have to be on the phone calling radio. You going to pick up the phone call? You going to either pick up the phone call? You going to call me and say, "Man, quit calling me. I'm gonna play this record." Or you going to call my boss and say, "Hey, man, will you please tell him to quit calling me all times of day and night and texting me and emailing me?" Cause that's what I do for a living. It ain't given because I work for a record company that. When I call a radio station that the PD or the MD or the mixer is going to pick up and take my call, no, they do me the same way. Because I've been in the office when other reps 
have called program directors and they send them straight to voicemail. So I know they do it to me. So I'm that dude. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm gonna bug your ass until you pick up. Cause guess what? I got the answer to my boss. And he has the answer to his boss. So when I call a radio station and they don't talk to me for two or three weeks, guess what? I show up at your radio station. <laughs> don't get no realer than that, man. Yeah. Any, anybody listening right now who does not appreciate that someone who has been working at a record label for lots of years still has to maintain a pick up the phone policy. You I don't you need to stop listening right now. Don't listen to another episode. Dude, but. listen, back back when I could like just roam the jungle without any restrictions, budgets and all that, I used to just show up at the radio station, sit in the parking lot early in the morning with a do still on the window and wait for the PD to walk in the radio station and catch him in the parking lot. Scare the shit out of him. Thanks about him. I used to do this, this I used to do this dude like this down in Charleston. I drive in on Sunday, and I know what time he was coming to the radio station Monday morning, and I leave the hotel, I go post up in the parking lot. And when he jump out of his truck, hey, hey! <gasps> <laughs> but that's, hey, man. That's real. You know, you got to, you got to, hey, man, that's, that's, that's the job of being a promotion dude, man. You, you, we the front, we're on the front line. And, you know, and, if, and, and a lot of guys are not cut out for this this cuz you going to get a not, you going to get a lot of nose but radio guys man they got some lines for your ass but they could tell you a 100,000 ways one day why they ain't going to play your record and come with another 100,000 the next day and you got to you you know you know you're a salesman you got to be able to sell your sell your product you got to know and you got to be a people person a lot of these dudes man I don't think they really like music man or people or people <laughs> Literally. The two things you have to be good at, people and music. Right. Like like you, or work. A work. Or work. Cause <laughs> like I'm listen I'm listening to him speak and I'm like, yo, he's he's so much not only is he talking about the love, but also the work ethic. Right. Yeah, you tell me no, so I'm calling again. I'm calling until I get you. And even when I get you and you tell me no, guess what? I'm fall through. Now you gotta tell me no to my face. Right. <laughs> That's Yo, it. like, and it's crazy because he's saying like, yeah, I got somebody to answer to. But if you're an independent artist, you ain't got nobody to answer to. You right. got to answer to you. And you're your promotion. And guy. so you mean to tell me you look in the mirror? You look in the mirror and you be okay with quitting? It's all right, man. You good. Hey, no. look, we'll just tweet some more. Dude, yeah. I'm going to tell you, man, a lot of these guys are just plain lazy. They are lazy. You got to understand something, bro. Like... I have structure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I go to bed at a certain time. I get up at a certain time. I have I have structure. I've always had structure. A lot of these guys don't have structure. They go to bed anytime they want to go. They get up when they when they want to go. You know, it's like no structure. So when you when you when you're telling somebody that has never had structure that now Hey man, we got to be up at six a.m. because we got to be at the radio station at eight o'clock. You can't stay out the four o'clock because we got to get up at six. They don't understand that because right. they've never had structure. So now you're talking about an independent artist who has nobody to tell them what to do, how to move. They don't understand protocol. They don't understand. I had a guy tell me. He said, "Man, I'm finna go to the radio station." 
I said, go to the radio station for what? Man, I'm about to go up there, man, so they can play my record. I said, wait a minute, bro. Like, it don't work like that. Like, you have to call, make an appointment, and then follow protocol. Man, I'm about to go to the radio station. All right, cool. You want to be a hard head? Go on up there and get turned and get turned get turned around. Shoot, but that's better than a lot of people. I still give that guy more credit than some. people. I do give him credit, but but what would happen to that guy? <laughs> he would be banned from the radio station, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I give you kudos for it, but dude, you just can't show up at the radio station like demanding to see like somebody. Yeah, demanding to see somebody. First, you ain't gonna see nobody but the reception. She's gonna be behind glass anyway, right? You know, so you're not going to be able to see anybody. So, you know, you just have to, you got to, that's what I'm saying, man. You got to study the game. You got to really dig in and learn this game. Because I'm, a, and this going to this gonna blow your mind, because I have worked with some great talent, but they got, they got shitty management and they got no work ethic at all. Because they were so talented, they they got by. But a lot of these guys, man. What is MEG? Talk to us about that. Music education group, real simple. I love music. I think education is a is a is a is, is vital to this. And I just wanted to share my years of experience in the music industry um, to people who wanted to be on the business side. Um, I think that was something that was always lacking because the horror stories that I would hear from artists, you know, not having that publishing, just, you know, not knowing what PRO they were signed up with because somebody else did their paperwork, didn't know how to use the PROs, performing right organizations, CSAT, ASCAP, BMI, didn't know how to use them to their advantage, you know, um, Promotions, marketing, just things that people don't really know about the industry, but they want to be a part of it. So uh, I started it when I was out of work. Kind of put it on the back burner for years, like because I I was doing a lot of stuff with a lot of different artists. Of course, you know I worked with Tip on all his community service stuff. Um, Gerald Levert, Paul Wall, Twister. I mean, you name it. I've had everybody doing something in the community. And that was my way of saying, you know what, guys, you have to understand some of these people go out and buy your music. We have to give back to the community. You have to do something. You have to find something that you're passionate about to go back and do something. So like Tip is like, like Tip would do anything. Matter of fact, we still do stuff together. He just spoke uh, to about 2,000 kids in DeKalb County uh, right during the summer for the uh, uh, President Obama's My Brother's Keeper initiative that we did out in DeKalb County with uh, then Superintendent uh, Michael Thurman, Hank Johnson, uh, Congressman Hank Johnson, Hank Stewart, Ralph Simpson, a lot of, lot of guys, Lee May, Commissioner, uh, uh, CEO Lee May out in DeKalb. Tip came in off a flight on a Saturday morning and spoke and killed it. So um, he's passionate about, you know, giving back to his community. So, you know, so as I started doing more of these, people started really coming to me about, hey, can we get, of course, can we get Tip to do this? Can we? Like, no. 
And I was like, you know what? I need to focus more on the programming piece on what that's going to look like. So I started working with Best Academy, which is an all-boys school, Atlanta public school here in the city. And um, started taking artists there, Tyrese, Eric Benet, Johnny Gill. I mean, you know, took, took a lot of them there, talked to the boys. So we started doing this series called Master Classes, where I would bring different industry professionals in to talk. Because all the kids wanted to do, want to be a football player, want to be basketball, want to be a rapper, something to that effect. So I was like, you know what, I'm about to switch it up. So I would bring my partners in. One was a WWE wrestler, Ezekiel Jackson. You know, brought him in. Kids were going crazy. Brought another partner of mine in who's in the Army. He had his jumpsuit on, all that stuff. Football player, another partner of mine, went to Ohio State, played for the Houston Texans, you know, went all the way to the NFL. Brought all these people in. So I'm in a class, so I got my partner who's in the Army, and I got the football player. Both of them came in that same day talking to him. Who do you think they asked more questions to? Football player. No. The guy. My partner who's in the Army. Wow. So what that showed me was that these kids really don't know what they want to do. It looks good. It sounds good. But you have a football player who played for Ohio State, and he played for an NFL team. And all you guys in here that say you want to play football, you didn't ask him 10 questions. But everybody want to know about him jumping out of planes, all the medals on, why you got your... Your pants in your in your in your boots, all this type of stuff. Couldn't get them out the room. So that right there showed me, like, man, these kids really don't understand and have an idea on what they want to do. So you know, so we just started bringing in different different people to talk to them and just sharing their experience. But it all ties back into the educational piece. You know, I didn't go to college. I I wish I would have. I probably would be out of the entertainment industry and be doing really some teaching, but I want them to understand like your education is, that's your ticket. That's your golden ticket. Don't That's something that nobody can take away from you. They can't get in your head and take that knowledge out. And, you know, that was some, one thing that we always wanted to focus on. But at the same time, I saw that there was a lot of kids that didn't have just like social skills, life skills. You know, and I picked this, once again, I'm taking all this from my experience dealing with artists. Like, I've been around some very talented artists, but they just didn't have any social skills. They didn't know how to get along with people. They call themselves leaders, but they're not. They're more followers than leaders because they want to be cool with the homeboys. When the homeboys are sitting there smoking dope, you got you want to smoke dope too, instead of saying, hey, man, I don't want, I'm, I'm, I'm going to my room. I'm not indulging in that. When I started this class, I, I wanted to bring people in to talk about that side, you know, how to deal with people, how to shake your hand, how to look a man in the eye, quit looking at your feet, you know, shake, you know, just all those things that young men need to know that they don't know. That's what we wanted to, you know, we wanted to uh, to teach them. So we have some great partners, man, that we that we partner with. Uh, so it's by the name of Brandy Hicks. She has a college prep program. Uh, so she comes in and teaches kids, you know, getting ready for college. 
Uh, of course, we do the music piece. Another partner of mine, Pizzo Johnson, has a program called Pop, Pain No Paper, Poems Over Pistols. Do a lot of stuff with a lot of different artists, but he's an anger management specialist. So he teaches uh, seven methods of dealing with anger management through poems, short stories, raps, and songs. And then Arthur Powell, uh, Art is an OG from the A. Art was in this notorious game back in the day. Uh, so he's our gang specialist. He has like over 40 different modules that he teaches for life skills. And he works a lot with the Cab County, with Douglas County, out in Clayton County. So, you know, we've created this umbrella program. And we, we call it the More the Music Initiative. So now we have a 12-week program that we're running over at the Dunbar Rec Center, which is in Mechanicsville, uh, through Parks and Recs. Uh, but even with that, man, you know, we still have a struggle with getting teens to be a part of the program. So that's, you know, so this whole this whole music thing for me, man, is just so much bigger than me working at Capitol Records and working with all these these artists, man, because you know, it's sometimes I feel like the dope dealer going back into the community to give away turkeys during Thanksgiving. Right. Like I don't fuck the community up so bad that now I'm trying to go back in and fix it, but I keep I keep putting this garbage in the community. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I say this now because when I had first went back to the record company, I had some issues with, with some of the artists and some of the things that they was doing. And I went to my boss and I said, look, man, y'all can fire me. I'm not, I'm not passing out no T-shirts with no dude with no M16 on. I'm not giving these T-shirts to no kids. Like It's just certain stuff that I'm just not going to do. I don't go to strip clubs. I don't do none of that. That ain't me, dog. Like, so if that's what you want then I'm not the person for the job. So they was like, <laughs> I respect. So, you know, thank God I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not put in those situations that I have to, you know, that I have to do that. But at some point, man, we have to take a stance, man, you know, because let's, let's, let's be honest. The music industry is the most racist and segregated business that I know. Exploitative. All that. Yeah. It's nothing worse being in a meeting with a room full of white folks and they playing music and the records got nigga going all the way through it. Until you sit in one of those meetings, dude, you don't even know how that feels, bro. Like, it's not a good feeling. If you got any conscience and you and and you care about your people, like, for you to be sitting in a big meeting with all these big time white executives. And they put on a record, and it's got nigga and bitch going all, all through it, and ain't but a handful of black folks sitting in the room. Man, that's not a good feeling, bro. So, and, what can you tell? What can you tell an artist that that is you know aspiring to be on the radio or be one of those big name artists that's just mocking and following, emulating the ones that are doing that? How do you? What do you say to that artist? Man, you know, I used to say do you, but doing them now is doing what everybody else is doing, bro. Like, for real, like, it's to the point now you just can't even talk to these artists, man, because they ain't, they ain't listening. A lot of them, you know, they're going to make up in my, their mind that they're going to do things their way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and and that's just what it is. I mean, earlier you said, like, loyalty is out the window. Like, I could be loyal to, to you because we buddies, or I could be loyal to myself because I have character and I have morals. 
and I'm mature. Ah, right? ah, you said a mouthful right there, but see, a lot of them don't have that. They've never been taught that. You come from a single parent home, man, and you've been struggling your whole life, and your mom been working two jobs, and ain't no dad in the house, ain't no man in the house. You've been raised by a house full of women. And they just trying to put clothes on your back and food on the table. Go get the money. Who the hell going to teach you those things? So when you out on the street hustling, like you just said, you out on the street hustling, and the only thing your mom, your grandmama know that is food in the refrigerator and the lights and the heat on and we got somewhere to stay, they ain't saying, you know, have some morals, have some character about yourself. They like, I need $20, $30. I need to go get my hair done. I need to go get my nails done. Fuck some morals and character. They don't care nothing about that. That's that's definitely why programs like yours are so important. But I, but I heard you mention also that you're working with some artists on a, in a different um, realm, not just promotion. Talk to us a little bit about what yeah, you're working man. on now. Yeah, yeah. So we got like like I like finding new music. Like my partners that I really trust, they know not to bring me no bullshit, right? But outside of the stuff at Capitol, we got, uh, of course, BJ Chicago Kid, who's incredible. He's on the Dr. Dre album. He was on the uh, Schoolboy Q studio record. He got this crazy classic mix CD, Pineapple Now Later, which is a classic. Uh, check him out. BJ the Chicago Kid. He got this record called Church, which is crazy. You got to listen to the lyrics because when you hear it, you're going to be like, I can relate to that. And then uh, working this this uh, uh, kid out of Atlanta, Malachi Warren. One of my old students. Yeah, yeah, one of your old students. Great kid. Uh, man, he's he's going to be incredible. Uh, but outside of that, I like finding new music. And a, a partner of mine, uh, Mr. Smith, uh, he used to program radio. We had, we actually, me and him had, we had an artist that we was managing by the name of City, the Cookie Man. That was actually signed to Slip and Slide Records. Yeah, I in remember the day. him. Yep. Yep. B.O.B. did his first record. Uh, so me and him always, we've, we've had this relationship for about 10 years, 10 years or more, really. But he always brings me new music and stuff. Check this out. Check this out. And uh, about three years ago, he brought me this kid by the name of Steve Cantrell. Now, Steve's from Albany, Georgia, but you would swear he was from the middle of the Bronx somewhere. Like. He is so hip hop, like, but he ain't so hip hop that he ain't he ain't representing the South. Uh, so he just dropped an EP um, last month, a month before last. EP is 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 crazy. Yeah, so he is he is absolutely incredible. He's a skater too, not like skateboard skater. He skates like skate skate. Like traditional skating. Yes, he's a b-boy to his to the fullest. <laughs> but uh, Steve just uh, completed this um, studio session with uh, Converse Rubber Tracks. They have this contest that they do all over the world, where they put artists in legendary studios across the world. And Steve and his crew did Stankonia. Yeah, I did a post about that actually on our page. Yep. Yep. So he did Stankonia uh, last week, man. So he was able to go in there and record for like two days. They knocked out about, I think, about four or five joints. And uh, I don't know what they're going to, you know, what's going to happen with the music, but they're going to do something with it. I, I don't have all the details. But, yo, check out Steve Cantrell. 
The dude, the kid is dope. And uh, yeah, man, so I'm always listening to, you know, especially with people that I trust their ears. I listen to that music a little. I listen to that faster. And uh, then as another artist that I'm that I really really like too, his name is Luke G. He man, he, I don't know. You, he's like a Pharrell and John Legend wrapped into one, but he's an inspirational artist and produce. He's a producer. He's a songwriter. He engineers. He's a, he mix. He does everything. He's insane. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I go from one spectrum to to another one, man. And then, you know, I listen to all my old school stuff when I'm in the office. So I'm just I'm just surrounded by music, man. If I ain't listening to music, I'm listen I'm looking at talk radio. I'm listening to talk radio. So I go from one extreme to the other. <laughs> you know. Rick, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come talk with us, man. Man, it's a pleasure, man. It's definitely a pleasure. I appreciate the platform, man. Continue to do what you're doing, man. You guys are doing an excellent job in terms of Letting people come in and 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 share their thoughts and and really just have a conversation. Man, I don't even feel like it was no interview. I just feel like we just been sitting here just rapping, man. Yeah, you know, oh, which man. you know, which I which I like to do anyway. My wife used to call me Bill Cosby before he started doing what he <laughs> before before the Spanish fly in the, in the Quaaludes. <laughs> not <laughs> let's let's not pre, get it pre pill Cosby. Yeah. yeah, you know, just because you know he likes to talk. So I I, I mean I'm a conversationist, man. I, I I like to talk, not just not on the phone though, in person. Right. Well, we <laughs> we, we do appreciate you coming by. Nah, no problem. Bro. Thank it's you. It's all good. Yeah. To submit topic suggestions, email us at info at the ninety ten rule dot com.